0: Multiple. This is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News, and as ever, I'm joined from afar by my good friend, colleague, and all-round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks, Matt. Thanks, listeners. And uh, and yet, it was not three hours ago, I think, that I was um, in sunny Brisbane with you, and I'm now in very cold and rainy Melbourne, literally just walked in the door. Um, Actually, I just remembered, not only have I not unpacked my bags, but I've got beer in my bags that probably needs to get out of my bag and and be uh, returned to its upright position uh, with its uh, tray table stowed. And um, then, uh, but look, this this comes first. I think there's probably a bit to chat about and uh, we should neither dilly nor dally.
0: That's true, so near and yet so far. We spent so much time in the same city and barely caught up, it was that busy.
1: Yeah, and look, that's part of the, uh, for those who are unaware, the Australian Craft Brewers Conference, ACBC version uh, 4.0. So the um, 2016, the fourth, uh, and uh, probably not even arguably, uh, I think by far and away, uh, the best in terms of uh, attendance, in terms of the program, in terms of the location. uh, The trade expo was magnificent. There was just a bit of everything. But it does mean that when you get just under 500 people, uh, all pretty much in the same precinct, literally. Uh, you're going to kind of uh, look at everyone and see no one, um, it, it kind of get a couple of chats and a couple of um, opportunities to, to get together. But we're, we were lucky, I guess, that we had our uh, a little bit of time to put an interview in the can um, before the conference started. But, uh, yeah, we, we literally tag-teamed on stage. As you came off, I went on, and that was about it.
0: Well, that, that was perhaps the the best illustration of our of our time when uh, yesterday I had um, Dr. Michael Shaper from the C on stage. The session before ran late by 15 minutes, and I had to be off stage at a certain time to take Tim Lord and Doug Michael and uh, Adrian Slaughter. Um, from the conference to the ABC studios to record a uh, you know, something that we, we we couldn't or to go live and have an hour talking about craft beer on ABC radio so uh, you jumped on stage and answered the questions uh, or took the questions for me and uh, that was pretty much how we passed like ships in the night I described the conference it is a little bit like being at your wedding where you know everybody and so you never get to finish your sentence with any one person you're speaking to because the next person that walks past you know and they greet you and you're saying good day and suddenly you're dragged into a, another competition.
1: Or a conversation. It's not a competition. It's not
0: com- a conversation. Uh, sorry.
1: Conversations, Conversation. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a conversation. What time, but, uh, what, time did you, what time did you leave the awards last night? I, I left you, when they shuttled it.
0: Oh, okay. No, no, oh, it, it was just four days. Of, I, I've only literally just finished uh, doing another uh, radio interview and I tried to explain to the presenter that I'm a little bit husky because i spent the last three days talking about beer and not drinking beer, and he, for some reason, didn't believe me. At all, yeah. At all. But, but, uh, but no, yeah, no yeah, I, I, yeah, very good. It was I, very I, good I left the awards last night at uh, 11, just as they were ushering everyone quietly out into the street. Um, yeah. and, well, we uh, no, the winners,
1: come. we won't, we won't uh, name them all individually, because I'm sure you could all refer back to uh, Australian Brews News for all the details. Uh, I, I didn't even see James Atkinson last night, was, was how busy he was. Uh, tapping away there somewhere in the background in, a, in an alcove somewhere to get all the results um, up on uh, social media, and then I assume so. I haven't, I hardly even had time to open the laptop yet, but I assume that there's uh, the results in detail on the website.
0: The the complete list is on on the website, but yeah, actually I might just give a shout out to James, uh, who, who's our editor, and you know, probably to listeners the less the the, the least visible member of the uh, Australian Brews News team, but. He was reporting from the conference over both days, posting some really good stories about the, some of the key things that came out. Yesterday morning, we had the uh, Thunder Road, Stone and Wood decision come down, um, and within minutes of it coming down, he had a story posted, and before the end of the day, had a, you know, a fuller story, uh, including comments from both of the parties. And then last night, he was you know, getting around and talking to people and also posted the, uh, a, a, a terrific... Um, yeah, you know, result story. He really is a uh, you know a, a, a pro when it comes to journalism, and uh, yeah. So I mean, you really could say throughout the um course of uh, the the uh, conference that you read it here first on Australian Brewers News. So uh, you know, big big applause for James.
1: Yeah, well, along with uh, Kiralee Walcorn, the beer diva, I was uh, a co-host of uh, the. After it was conference and I was sitting next to James during the keynote speech by Steve Baxter and honestly I thought he'd shit his axe. I thought I've never seen somebody get up and move so quickly and leave the room. I thought what's going on? And I thought first thought was I'd better check my phone here and within five minutes the uh the story of the, the Thunder Road uh, uh, decision being handed down was uh was sitting there in front of me. So so well hmm. done, James.
0: Yeah, no, no, absolute champ. Um... Now, before we move, we, we'll, we obviously can't let that pass without talking about it, And, and um, um, but the, the conference itself, you mentioned that you and Kirley were co-hosting the conference. Just as well you were hosting the conference and not the awards last night, Prof. Uh,
1: oh, look, it's it, uh, light space for those who know Beautiful, a uh, really beautiful uh, space to hold functions, But but when you've got... Well look let, let's let's break this down into an, into its ingredient form. You've got five days, two of judging, two of conference, two bus tours, to eight breweries, is uh, oh, 300 people maybe in the room, um, surrounded by nothing but um, concrete stainless steel and glass, um, and a small sound system with a, a single voice trying to get order. Uh, oh sorry, and, and the most important feature, um the Kegstar silver bullet caravan um of Via uh providing free beer on the night, uh or included in your in your entry. It was always going to be a tough gig. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, I felt
0: very sorry for the for the people who were uh, who were speaking there. Um but um uh, mate, look,
1: congratulations and, and Cyril and I, uh, having co-hosted the AIBA uh, this year, we learned very quickly that the uh, the easiest way to get uh, attention in a room full of brewers on an awards night is is just to say the very simple words, and the winner is... (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, then everyone stops and listens. But when you're trying to tell them about where the toilets are and how the night's going to proceed and uh, thanking our sponsors and all that sort of thing, a low murmur in a room like that with that many people uh, uh, letting their hair down at the end of a long week always going to be uh, up against it.
0: But uh, certainly was a great night. Uh, Congratulations to all the winners. Uh, Any any special um, winners or or anything that particularly jumped out at you, uh, Prof?
1: Well, I believe we probably both independently picked as our dark horse Uh, again in a a small group but uh, Steve Jeffers led the uh, uh, I guess the, the friendly betting. It's saying you've got to nominate three three brewers, uh, at least one of which is going to pick up a, a major award, and we all sort of you know put our nominations in. And I think uh, Pirate Life was was fairly well represented in that and, and did get I said uh, uh, Pirate Life, yep. Uh, but I think the two of us, uh, I understand, independently both picked Green Beacon uh, as. Oh, I I think you, did you did might well. have even dis- okay. Yeah, I think you, I heard you describe, uh, Steve said that you had described it as your dark horse. Well, the Dark Horse certainly did. It, it came out of nowhere. I don't I don't know now whether we can refer to it as a Dark Horse. So I guess it's uh, good re- good reward for a lot of effort. You and I, with our gig at the Ecker, um, and having visited and then used Green Beacon's beers um, and become, I guess, Kelly, well accustomed to them, uh, and also to the improvement in them, to be able to track that uh, the improvement since they first started. And a lot of that's in equipment, some of it's in in processes, and some of it's uh, you know in just getting better at what you do and learning from um, you know where you can where you can improve. Um, I, I guess to me it wasn't that much of a surprise.
0: Well, and, and when I said dark horse, I think because when I said Green Beacon, Steve you know, looked blankly as if you know who are they you know, for for a second because they're they're not a um, household name um, outside of Brisbane, and even in Brisbane, you know they're they're they're. If you look at social media um, and craft beer as being, you know, sort of, you know, the, um, you know, cousins of each other, you know, yeah. each what yeah. One, one drives the other. Um, Green Beacon is very underrepresented in any of the social media hype or the buzz or the, you know, crazy ass collaborations or any any of the sort of stuff that drives a lot of the online commentary and the the, the excitement and gets the beer geeks all fired up. Um, but it's been a beer that you and I have uh enjoyed many times um and as you said, so I, you know I, I I've been noticing how good their beer has been, and you and I have been singing their praise for for some time and it's look it, it, it's one of those things that it's you know great vindication for them I well, not have vindication but a great result for them that you don't necessarily if you are just as uh, Tim cooper would say, sticking to your knitting and getting out and making really good beer um and focusing on getting those things right um you know the, the the rewards can come and uh yeah
1: good 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 yeah. bunch of blokes to um to work uh, with exactly
0: so uh yeah and I, I think because uh, we'll be having their kolsch uh at the exhibition this year and as you said i think our sales just doubled um so well, we'll got, you know if we
1: can, if, yeah, yeah, we, well particularly for, for uh for queensland locals who may not know of green beacon uh, to walk in now and to, to perhaps see a little sticker on the decal saying, you know, um, one of Australia's uh, best cut, you know, trophy award-winning craft beers. Um, mm. I think that that will just do uh, tick another box that we, I guess, have as part of our remit um, in doing our stand at the Echo, which is to uh, give it, you know, shine a bit of light to showcase some of these local small independent uh, producers. In the same way Absolutely. that uh, other other ones there are doing wine and cheese and um, and, and various other produce.
0: Arguably, no real surprises uh, that the large champion large brewery was Pirate Life Brewing. It was a, a, you know, my tip that they were going to pick up uh, a, a major gong, and they did. But you know, they've just been everywhere um, and you know kicking goals. And uh, so you're possibly you're taking nothing away from them, but it, it wasn't a huge surprise because they have been doing so well. Um, Perhaps the, the biggest surprise is that when the uh, champion small brewery, Hope Brew House, there was a lot of heads turning around, looking quizzically at each other, going, "Who are they?"
1: Uh, well, one of them was uh, was, was the, the the young man himself. I think he was kind of looking around, going, "Did he just say me?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, so it we, we... Took, took him a while to, to to actually make his way to the stage, and he he was standing in the front row. Um, <laughs>
0: he didn't know but, what to say. It was yeah. to the when you, when you, think, having... you know,
1: uh, I, I look. I, I have to go back through the results, but I you expect that at least uh, one of the ones who has won a uh, a major uh, a trophy, or at least been awarded a gold medal in that category, uh, and, and I'm not saying that they didn't, but I did. I, I don't recall hearing it. But as I say, there, there were a couple of minor sound issues, so it, it may have just gone through. Um, Past me, but um, your your five best scoring beers uh, are the ones that determine the um, small, medium, and large champion brewery categories. So there obviously was some better than average consist and consistent better than average uh, beers entered uh, from Hope Brew House or
0: Brewery. Hope Brew House, it's listed in the uh, program. Program, yes. But yeah, there you go, um, uh, we, we might have to join the uh, no doubt long list of people wanting to uh, to have a chat and find out a little bit more about them. We might put them uh, on our list. For sure. Absolutely, uh, well look, I mean, apart from that, awesome um, uh, um, week, um, you know, it, it really shows how the, uh, CBIA is growing and you know maturing um to be able to pull out uh, such a a great conference congratulations to Catherine McLean, uh Jason um and who who were really the sort of weight lifters um of, of, of the awards but the, the yeah, whole yeah CBAA the program and board. event
1: organizers yeah
0: um, and, and and organizing poor Catherine uh, will no doubt be slipping into a coma about now um and not doing anything for for the next week but no it was it was really awesome to see, I didn't get to as many of the um, uh, talks as I wanted to, the seminars as I wanted to. I did catch Dick Cantwell yesterday and I thought that that was one of the best uh, brewing industry uh, talks that I've heard. You know, Quite often people come along and you're never quite sure whether it's a, a stock standard presentation or they've not prepared at all and they're just doing it off the cuff. But Dick had put a lot of thought into what he was saying. He had made it very relevant Uh, from the Brewers Association of American Brewers Association's experience and made it very relevant to what was going on in Australia and it wasn't all sunshine and roses and it wasn't, um, you know, it it, it was a a very honest, truthful, caustic on occasion um, but ultimately uplifting, supportive, Discussion about craft beer. I thought so. Uh, yeah,
1: and, and and probably worth uh, our listeners going back and uh, and googling Dick Cantwell, particularly with the Elysian Brewing, um, I guess, brouhaha, um that that came about with the with the sale of Elysian and and that sort of thing. And, and uh, Dick had uh, I I guess like uh, yeah, spoke very uh, candidly. About uh, his feelings on the whole thing and the and the backlash towards it and and not necessarily to him but uh, obviously there was there was a little bit of animus uh, there and it's that's well worth uh, revisiting to to just yeah, sort of I, put, I... put a lot of what Dick's done into into perspective um, and I guess his his words take on a, a little bit more depth um, as they apply to us because as you said, you said I'm going to talk about our experience but just remember that you know yours will be ours at at some point.
2: Mm.
0: So it was, uh, yeah, so, but you know, all in all, congratulations to all involved in the, uh, uh, in CBIA, in the conference, all of the presenters, everyone involved, and uh, the, the the trophy winners, it was, it really was, mate, I, I think we might have to open up a little bit of Everything is Awesome uh, after that, that, that chat. Everything is awesome. That's normally your theme Bang. song, but uh, no, 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 happy, happy to canning, share, uh, it, happy
1: share it. No, happy to share it, not a, not a problem yeah. at all. And um, an even more awesomeness is the announcement that uh, Look Out Adelaide, because uh, we're coming at you. Brand about this time next year for uh a c b c two thousand and seventeen
0: I missed that announcement that's very exciting there you go
1: um now
0: d- other big news that uh we, we had we had the uh pacific ale um uh, dis- uh decision come down, down, down yesterday down. judgment yesterday and yeah. uh i,
1: All don't, 120 I don't think pages of it listeners. so uh you you're going to get the, the tweet version of, uh, right now but uh yeah what did you think?
0: Speaking of yes, speaking of which, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that we can post the judgment. I'm not sure. we'll I'll check the whether well, there's any copyright. because I <laughs> hate to get in trouble uh, for posting it for a copyright infringement of a trademark case. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, 126 pages. Still working uh, my way through it. Um, but I, I guess the shorthand summary is, it, I think the only way you can describe it is a resounding um, loss uh, from Sona Woods' point of view. Um, they, 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 they lost the case with costs and uh, also potentially damages, uh, I, I believe. Um, the, in, in terms of what it means, probably best we might look at getting an uh, intellectual property uh, lawyer on who is familiar with the case um, to give some observations and, and discuss it because I think a lot of people have been saying that it was a trademark case um, it was actually, uh, I think, what's called a passing off case, where they, the, the uh, suggestion was that Thunder Road was passing its Pacific Ale off as Stonewood Pacific Ale, or trying, you know, attempting to, you know, make it look so similar to confuse the consumer, um, as opposed to a straight trademark, and whether it's Stonewood um, was entitled. Yeah, to Pacific it certainly Ale did trademark. involve
1: interpretations of, um, I guess, areas of. Of trademark. Um, but, it, did, uh,
0: it, did, it did come in, yes, yeah. so so there was some yeah. trademarking elements to it um, but it wasn't strictly a trademark case. Um, one of the interesting things that came down was that the judge uh, did find that Pacific Ale isn't a beer style. Um, yes. So, yeah, so Pacific Ale, so I, I don't know what that means in terms of trademarkability, um but it, it does mean that uh, Thunder Road wasn't um, passing itself off as stone and wood, um, you know. Uh, I, I don't know if you've waded through the uh, the judgment yet, Prof. No, no, haven't had a chance. Hmm.
1: I mean, look, nor, I, nor a nor a heap of interest. I have to admit, at the, at the risk of sounding disinterested, but uh, yeah, no, uh, 120 pages of legalese is probably not um, not at the top of my reading list. Just moment. But having said that, and I don't want to make this sound like I, you know, have one handy on retainer for, you know, anything that I might have been involved in. But I may have, I think, access to an IP lawyer who may be able to just, uh, uh, you know, perhaps summarize uh, or, or give us a few, you know, tasty quotes. So hmm. uh, and also I'll, just to talk, talk about that.
0: what it means. Yeah, well, I, I've also, there's one that's uh, written uh, trademark stuff for us in the past as well. So I might even, uh, so we might even... Uh, compare
1: experts, but anyway, yeah. And so, uh, so not, that, not that I'm suggesting that to any, to yourself or to any of our listeners that you know uh, you're now you know uh, forced to go and do unseemly things at night in car parks or anything like that. But uh, you're looking for a new job, obviously. The um, your, your first and last effort as a as an expert witness. <laughs> as an expert witness,
0: uh, oh, actually, that isn't in disclosure. I was called as a an expert witness. Um, now that's as the court's expert witness, as opposed to a party's. But I was called by Stone and Wood, and they covered the costs of getting me there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I, I I don't know my the the when I read the the, the judgment um, and my name is liberally peppered through it. Um, uh, what I said <laughs> seemed to be accepted. Um, oh okay, so oh, yeah. yeah but, well, it, w- what I said seemed to be accepted I by you were the going judge.
1: A, I thought you were going to pull a Daryl Kerrigan when the uh, when the judge ordered for the plaintiff, and he went, yes! Said, no,
0: <laughs> that's not us, Daryl, that's them. No, well, that's one of the things. Like, you're there to assist the court, um, and they, you know, both sides ask you questions. There's cross-examination. The judge asks a few questions to, to, to clarify, and uh, then it's just, you know, the, the things that I said seem to have been accepted by the court. It just doesn't seem to have helped Stonewood's case. So...
1: Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So, well, never mind, yeah. Uh, yeah, look, spoke to the guys uh, immediately after and then again last night, and it's fair to say that it's it's been a bit of a, you know, an interesting sandwich of a day uh, in, in terms of all the bookends, you know, the way it started yeah. to, the, to the way it finished, um, onwards and upwards, you know. It, it, you roll the dice and, and, and sometimes it comes up snake eyes or... I don't know, I don't know, I don't... Craps in state, whichever one is bad, I don't. I don't do any sort of gambling games, you know, that are named after poo. So um, I may be using a, a poor analogy there, but yeah, roll the dice and 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 you know, you, you've got to just accept the the judge's decision, literally. And it accept it.
0: the judge's decision, absolutely. And uh, I mean, we had there was a lot of uh, engagement on the Facebook page. It was one comment from our, our good friend and listener, Paul Pacey. Um, in On the actual page, I might uh, he commented. Uh, Look out for Thunder Road's new garden ale coming to a bottle shop near you soon. <laughs> um, uh, Your know, tongue poke out emoticon. Uh, the above line was of course a joke. I think Thunder Road using the same name as Pacific Ale is dis- disrespectful to a company that goes out of its way to grow the craft beer industry in Australia. Their decision to pursue their use of a beer name that only exists due to the massive investment by Stone and wood goes against established practices of smaller brewers collaborating to. Better the industry for all smaller brewers. Maybe Thunder Road could spend more time innovating and creating ideas for themselves instead of using lawyers to establish their right to operate their business off the back of other people's creativity and ingenuity. Thunder Road may have the le- may have the legal win, but I think they may lose out here uh, more than they realise. So I, I thought that's quite a um, an, an interesting perspective um, from our commenter. Um, and, and not uncommon, uh, I think,
1: Matt. It's fair to say.
0: And and but again. I, I guess that this case shows that, you know, whether it's disrespectful, whether it is um, uncreative or non-innovative, that's not, you know, craft beer is a big boy's game. Um, we talked about it on the last podcast, how many, you know, conflicting brewery names there are and different, uh, you know, it it, it it is a big boy's game and you know that going into it and uh, it, it's not just a gentleman's club where, you know, oh, you've used that name first um, If you're entitled to use it, I guess people are going to. If if you're entitled to do it, people are going to do it, and uh, that's just how it is. So anyway, um,
1: precedent is actually set. So yeah, it it is. It'd be interesting to see uh, if and when uh, a similar case arises.
0: Um, if, if we, uh, if we wanted an interesting discussion about it, certainly get our good friend, uh, Mazen Hadjar on to, uh, (laughs) to talk about it. He was very quickly, uh, giving me a bit of in your face. I told you I was right, um, (laughs) outside the the conference room. He's got very strong views about it. So anyway, um, that was the Sunwood case. Uh, good coverage from James Atkinson on our website. Um, mate, we, we might go straight into our, uh, interview, um, We did manage to get an hour together and uh, time for a very quick beer and a a chat with um, Willie Simpson um, who is, he's a bloke that inspired me and I learned a lot from in getting into craft beer a a decade and a half ago and as he acknowledges in this chat, he's probably not known by a lot of the new generation of beer bloggers or beer drinkers. he, speaking of Wood. he has been, uh, just collaborated with them on a forefather's beer that Stonewood have brought out a couple of times to uh, in the lead up to Father's Day, um, where they celebrate the people uh, who have pioneered and inspired them. Um, last year it was Phil Sexton, this year it's uh, Willie Simpson. Uh, mate, have you had much to do with Willie Simpson?
1: I have. I have a, a little bit, um, just a, a couple of visits to, visits to Tasmania um, and... Sydney craft beer week oh, i think the very uh, the first cbia awards i had a good chat with willie he was uh the recipient of the um achievement award um for, for recognition for uh, of his fine work um for the craft beer gig uh and yeah i've, I've had a the chance to have a couple of chats with willie
0: he's a, yeah no, first he is a fantastic beer writer a, a, a wonderful brewer um but I'd say that often a uh, taciturn uh, caustic might be a little bit over, over, over speaking, but it, it's a, listeners, you're about to get Willie at his absolute best, uh, having a great chat about craft beer. So uh, let's have a chat to Willie. Well,
3: oh, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, I, I, just saying to Prof, uh, when we were talking about it, it was a very opportune time for us to uh, be offered the chance to have a chat to you because we're coming up to 100 episodes and, we haven't ever spoken to you, and you're one of the people who I would most like to speak to, so thank you very much for your time. I guess, um, well, nominally uh, we're speaking to you because you are officially now a forefather of the Australian craft beer scene. Apparently. (laughs) So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that in the Stone and Wood forefathers' uh, annual release. But, uh, uh, well, actually, it's probably a good time to talk about that a little bit now that Stone and Wood... uh, um, have invited various uh, important personages to collaborate with them on a beer um, to celebrate. Uh, you know some of the people that have made the current craft beer um, landscape possible, and uh, they've previously brewed with Phil Sexton, and I believe you are their second forefather.
3: Yeah, that's right, as far as I know. And and look, yeah, look, it's flattering, obviously, to be approached for something like this. And uh, I guess you have to have been around for a while to to get the forefather tag. Um, look, I think you know. I guess it's it's important for any boys and girls, anyone under 35, to to remember there was a there was a craft brewing industry last century, and uh, believe it or not, I made some sort of a living out of um, writing about it, mainly for. Newspapers and and magazines, and this this is the pre-digital age, of course. I'm talking about boys and girls. Yeah, did you probably started using a typewriter or something
0: ridiculous like that? In the early
3: days, indeed, indeed. I can still remember being in a non-computer <laughs> work. Well, we 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 had typewriters, not not um, not laptops or computers. But yeah, look, I I guess. Um, it's it's a funny old industry that's absolutely turbocharged at the moment so i'm i'm aware that you know half the people involved in it um may not know who i am but that's that's fine
0: Great. and and that was one of the reasons why we wanted to introduce you because you have been uh, i mean you you're certainly uh someone that inspired me to write uh anything other than uh you know beer and cricket stories or you know beer and football um advertising stories that there was actually something that was a uh, Worth serious uh, understanding and appreciation um, of craft beer, and I, I still think that your book, uh, Amber and Black, is one of my favourite uh, introductory craft beer books. Um, you know, as a, as a primer and an introduction to uh, to the Australian craft beer scene.
3: Oh, well, thanks for that. And, and interestingly enough, I, I was flicking through it again for the first time in several years recently, and my God, it's changed. You know, the, the, a lot of the beers I reviewed then and the well, some of the breweries had only just appeared, like little creatures. It was brand new, off the, you know, open. Um, so it reminded me of how much um, beer had got under the bridge in 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 15 years, actually. By the way, since that book came
0: out. Yep. Well, well, that's a the theme that uh, Peter and I come back to, and you you alluded it to before when you said that not not everyone would know who you are. Mm. Um, there, there seems to have been a 15, you know year window uh, where Little Creatures came on the scene around about 2000, and uh, it's probably one of the beers that really kick-started um, popular, um, what we now see as popular um, appreciation of beer, but so many people who are working in the industry who have opened craft beer bars or have opened breweries, when you speak to them, uh, you know, they're, they're referencing back to a beer that they consumed you know, maybe five or six years ago as being their inspiration, um, you know, and you've been writing about beer for how long now?
3: Uh, Well, I've actually given it up over the last three years, but I I guess I wrote about it for the best part of 25 years, up to three years ago. So, um, look, one of the things you have to point out, there wasn't wasn't as much to write about. Um, I'm I'm happy I inspired other people to go down the road less traveled, because I've got to tell you, um, you know, selling beer stories to to editors was pretty hard work in the early stages, and I I, I was regarded, I guess, as a bit of a novelty act. Um, And then... You know, I don't know, sometime in the 1990s, especially the late 1990s, the, the, the world of public relations discovered people like me and nurtured me. And, um, you know, they would fly me here, there and everywhere for the opening of a fridge. And I would really write about the new beer that was in the fridge and um, they were happy. So I guess, you know, if you want the truth, I I, I, I turned a, a part-time job into a into a full-time career. Um, with a part-time income, but you know, it seemed like a lot of fun at the time, and it was. Um, but I'm glad others have come along to 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 pick up the baton, as it were, and I've moved on to something different.
0: These days, if you're happy to snap a uh, Instagram photo, they'll fly you around the country.
3: <laughs> yes, which which I have people doing for us, and not me. <laughs>
0: But, uh, but I, I remember that we, I think the, the first time that we met was uh, in Bushy Park when uh, I'd been flown somewhere, I'd gotten on the gravy train, I was very happy at the, uh, at the privilege and you, you told me back then, I, I think you were working for a, a publishing company um, and sold them the idea of a beer magazine uh, way back in the
3: late 80s? Yes, 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 we go get back that far and it was and um, it, it was obviously a more general I mean, there were things like Cooper's Brewery, and certainly the the, the first um, version of Matilda Bay was on the scene. And and and, I guess for me, as a working journalist who'd been done a bit of travelling overseas, got a taste for, you know, something other than the um, the the sort of the mainstream Australian neck oil that was on offer then. Um, And when these first Matilda babies started arriving on tap in Sydney, you know, a a few of us were were trailblazers, I guess, because we were were trying them. And that very quickly led me to um, Shara's little brewery out in Picton. Um, And I guess we can, you know, this was one of the inspirations, if you like, for the forefather brewery we ended up doing, because uh, apart from being a very unique individual, Geoffrey Shara, um... He, his brewery produced a, um, a dark bock beer called Burragarang bock. I can't tell you exactly. It might have been the late 80s, early 90s. And it was a beer that, you know, it might have just tipped me into um, taking that road less travelled, writing about beer and, and even contemplating, although well, I wasn't at the time, but, you know, somehow influ- influential in getting me into the actual craft brewing game. And it was a wonderful uh strong black, smooth, chocolatey lager that was very good for a while and then never quite the same. <laughs> and and I don't know. There's a lot of beers I could say like that and I'm not sure whether it's something did that you happens to or did the beer. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? And and I could say that about Cooper's Sparkling ale I could say that about a whole lot of other beers. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. Um I, um, so when I was approached by Brad Rogers at Stone and Wood to, to think about a beer we might do for the forefathers brew, I, I got off the phone from him, and about 10 minutes later, I thought, well, you know, it would be fun to do a, a, a dark brown, almost black double bock, Because um, it's not a style that is in favour. I mean, it's not, not a style of beer you see trotted out by many of the, what is it, 400 craft breweries in Australia at the moment. Um and yet it should be, because it's, it's um, you know, there's room for all these different classical styles of beer. So there, there was one that I suppose had been tucked away in a bottom drawer somewhere as a possible project to seven sheds. And when I got the opportunity to play around on uh, the, the automated toys that got up in the Byron Bay brewery, the original one, um, anyway, that, that's what we decided to do, and that's what we brewed. Uh,
2: Willie, for those who uh, perhaps don't know you as the Willie Simpson, the beer writer, I'm sure there will be plenty out there that, do know you as Willie Simpson, the brewer from uh, Seven Sheds Brewery in Tasmania, up in Railton there, in the the north of Tasmania. Um, Did the beer brewing, uh, well, pardon the pun, but did did that idea kind of brew as you were writing, or had you always thought, uh, I'd like to one day brew my own beer, or was it, I'm sick of writing, I might as well brew some beer?
3: Anyone who knows me would know, there's no no clear-cut career path like that, or, or anything, um, I, I suppose, you, you know, it, when I was a beer writer, I was a little frustrated by some of these so-called craft beers that were supposed to be this and that, that were made from these, all these ingredients, uh, the right hops and that. Um, but just didn't deliver on flavour and complexity. And I think it was that, you know, there was almost uh, people being afraid to let go. Uh, any beer they made had to be filtered, had to be... Um, I don't know, uh, cosmetically um, lessened or something like that. So perhaps there was something in there and I thought, well, I'd, you know, I visited plenty of farmhouse breweries in places like Belgium and realised that um, you didn't need expensive shiny pots and pans to turn out pretty flavoursome ales, as I mean they mainly were. Um, so I'd look at yeah, all sorts of reasons why we ended up opening seven sheds, but one of them was we could. Uh, it didn't involve... Going along to a bank manager and borrowing a whole lot of money. We were able to do it fairly low debt from the property my, that my partner Catherine and I own. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think there was always a burning plan to open a craft brewery, but I do know that we certainly did it at the right time um, and for the right reasons. And uh, we're at actually at an interesting stage now. We were sort of thinking, okay, well, this industry is going off as far as you know, a new brewery opening somewhere in Australia every week, um, what do we do? And, it, you know, that's quite an
2: interesting challenge too. So, um, uh, you know, that's, that's all risk for the mill, as it were. And look, at the risk of pumping your tyres up any, any further, um, it's certainly in the last few years there's been an explosion in the uh the number in the depth, in the, um, the skill and in the hospitality offering of, um, of Tasmanian uh, breweries. And there's the Tasmanian uh, beer trail and all those sorts of things. It's really sort of, I guess, come off the back of a, um, I guess, springboarded off the tourism side of things rather than necessarily just the beer side of things. Um, and so I guess, look, it wouldn't be unfair to suggest that you perhaps, uh, with your involvement in, with Tasmanian tourism, have, have driven a little bit of that um, excitement.
3: Oh, I'm not claiming any credit for that, Pete. Um, look, most of what you're talking about is happening down south, and I believe it's because of a, one of the best free, or free to Tasmanian art museums in the world, Mona. So you've got a little city called Hobart that's just going off at the moment. It's, um, they're building, you know, a thousand hotel rooms as we speak, and they need another thousand immediately. There's a new restaurant craft brewery popping up every couple of minutes. So, look, what you say is true. Most of it's happening down south. I'm still up in, uh, you know, little old, sleepy old Railton, northwest Tasmania, which is why it's good the, to get
0: out the, every now the and then. we well, we'll in for the town of many uh
2: at Railton. And, and right next door to uh, the town of Mural, Sheffield. So it, It's all happening up that way. You get, you get off the spirit of Tasmania. You can go and have either a Seven Sheds beer, perhaps uh, pop over to Van Diemen uh, or. Um, uh, St St Joan craft in um craft bar in uh, in Launceston, which is doing a lot of really uh, like showcasing a lot of the uh, the island states uh beers as well so it's, it it literally is all happening but not ju- not just down south. no 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 and and that was a lovely
3: thing I had the opportunity um, i mean the last book I wrote was I went up to Byron Bay eight years ago when I was researching the latest the last book I wrote the 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 Australian Beer Companion. Um, Certainly would have only been going a couple of months. Um, I think Brad was basically doing everything himself. Um, To visit it nine years later and see their brand-new plant in Mwilumbar, and, you know, that he has got 60 or 70 full-time employees. Um, And also did a little road trip in reverse down Victorian high country and visited um, Ben Krause at Beechworth, Bridge Road, Beech, Beechworth, and the guy, uh, David at Bright Brewery. And again, I'd been there on that same trip, well, eight and a half years ago. And very interesting to see where those three different players have, have come in the time. And, um, you know, I guess if it's very soon. We'll all be celebrating our 10th anniversary. And, and it seems to me to have gone past in a blur, but it's a very significant, as you guys know, very significant and... Packed with new openings, new players, new all sorts of new things. It's, um, I guess, it's a bit what's happening in social media, digital, compressed into you know a, a very small span of time. And um, I don't know where it's all leading, but it's got to be great for the industry because, if nothing else, it's great for all the suppliers because they've got four times as many customers as they had when, when we all, when I started up eight years ago. Anyway, so well,
1: talk well, about it's an industry that. Nice, yeah.
0: What's that? On that note, I mean, Tim Lord, uh, when when you speak to him, uh, he's quite frank That saying that in the 90s, for example, uh, the the Australian hop industry was very precarious and whether or not we continued to produce hops because when it was just purely commodity hops, um, we we couldn't compete. And craft beer has been the saviour of that. And we've started to see uh, brewers talk about the quality of malt and uh, the the, the real angst arising over uh, whether or not uh, beer and, and craft beer in particular can revolutionise the growing of malt and having a lot more farm maltings um, spring up.
3: And that's and all um, great and, and, and you did right. I mean 10 years ago when I was writing about the industry, the, the Tasmanian hop industry was absolutely in the doldrums um, and, and that was one of the reasons we decided to set up a little mini hop garden at Seven Sheds and around that time the same company HPA closed down a a hop garden they had up in the northwest of Tasmania at Gunns Plains, and that's where I bought the, the you know the poles and the wires and the cables to build our hop garden. Now I've got to say the hop garden's been a little bit neglected because I've been busy sort of making and marketing beer. But guess what we're doing this winter with the world shortage of hops? We're refurbishing the hop garden. We're planting, replanting a couple of new varieties, and we now see that well, a it's great to have a um, a a secure supply of some of our hops, it's not going to go very far. But also that we should be making more of a um a unique thing about it because we now make three distinct hop harvest beers at seven sheds um from hops we grow on site and not not every one of the four hundred craft brewers in Australia can do that, I guess. So so we're reevaluating, you know, where we've come from and where we can go and um and and, and as you've said, the, the world Has an appetite, the world craft beer industry has an appetite for Tasmanian aromatic hops and Australian aromatic hops. So um, they're either going to be in short supply at high price or you can grow them yourself.
0: Speaking of Tasmanian breweries um, and and, and hops, um, one one of the uh, annual visits that uh, I I paid to you was uh, whenever I was down for the Hop Harvest Ale um, at at Cascade. um, To to stand back and watch, I mean, it, it is still one of the earliest fresh harvest ales I can find in this new generation of uh, craft beer uh, brewing. Of course, they, they pioneered it, they kept it going, and they seem to have let it go now. Yeah, um, it, yeah.
3: I, yeah, I mean, that's interesting, isn't it, that a big brewery back then, when it was Foster's Saw, I, I thought it was a very clever possibility of highlighting all those local ingredients. But, you know, as happens with ideas that end up going through a large brewing system, the ideas get watered down. Um and they yeah, I don't know if you remember they also around the same time came out with a the four seasons range of beers. And I was talking with someone else the other day and, and they said, well it was a great idea. And and it was, but again it just sort of got lost between you know, the brewers and the marketing department and, and I guess you could say, well they were a bit ahead of their time. Um and it's a pity it didn't catch on. But but if nothing else it certainly, um, you know, it put the, the, the Tasmanian hop industry and the, the barley growers on the map. And um, it wasn't an original idea, but but, but you're right. Now um, I think every second crafty worth their salt is making a, a green hop harvest ale, except us. We drive them to this. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> But I mean, you have been writing, and
0: I don't want to dwell too long on the whole length of time you've been writing, but you have been writing for a long time. And uh, I mean, I got, uh, as Pete likes to say, he described, you know, turning eighteen, you get your beer drinking license. Um, and I, I remember back in the late '80s, there was a bit of an explosion of craft breweries, and uh, we, we had a couple in Brisbane, um, and we saw a lot of breweries spring up, but most of them went by the wayside, and that was something that was very uh, um, front of mind for me when we saw the great explosion now but there seems to be a fundamental difference between the uh, craft breweries of the 1980s early 90s and now in that beer tastes seem to have changed as well do you a- have any perspective on 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 that yourself
3: oh look yeah i do but i guess you know for me it's i don't get out of out and about as much as i used to except that trip I just told you about, but yeah, look, I mean, I think what I see is um, a lot of our six thousand odd visitors a year who come to come through our cellar door. The, the, what, what I love is is what I call the young drinkers, and of course anyone under about forty five is young to me. But I mean, people, you know, let's say someone thirty ish, I think they've got far more beer knowledge than I had at that age, and I think they've got certainly got a lot more beer culture, beer knowledge. Than most people would have had, and you know, I think you know, opening a craft brewery eight years ago in northwest Tasmania was, you know, not not necessarily the cleverest thing to do, but it was it was the right time because people understood, even people who didn't consume craft beer at the time understood the concept, and I think uh, very rapidly, incredibly rapidly, that. that That whole generation um that are younger than me have 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 grasped it, and um you know I think it's i I see very healthy signs for it because it's being driven from the consumer upwards and and you know the very passionate consumers are going to end up working in the industry too, so I don't quite know you know how we're gonna. Train these people in any formal way, I know there's, there's various channels. Um, what I like at seven sheds is we we've trained a series of brewers we're now on our fourth brewer. it's a bit difficult because of our small artisan production it's never going to be a full time job. so you know we've had pretty good people who who've been around for a couple of years and they move on. Um, a couple of them have stayed in the industry, um notably Evan Hunter, who's now the head brewer at Bruny Island. Brewery, which is part of Green Island Cheese, Um, but I think that's that's sort of what the industry has to do. That that it's almost got to self train and then produce this generation. Some of them are going to go out and start their own things, not all of them. But yeah, there is a legitimate um, career path now, and there are opportunities. Might be a little boom and bust, but I I still think it's you know it's a pretty um, sure bet that there's going to be work in the craft beer industry for for a long time to come so yeah look you know I, I was probably guilty of being the world's greatest optimist and talking up the industry you know about 20 years before I probably should have
2: uh,
3: <laughs> but I'm still an optimist and I'm part of the industry so hey I've, I've, I've got skin in the game but I'm very optimistic about what's happening around the country.
2: Yeah, well, Willie. This new generation—they're they're sort of a little bit slow to catch on, so it may have taken you 20 years, but they eventually got the message.
3: Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't necessarily show the power of the pen or whatever, but yeah, look—it's a different—it's a different landscape, and, and things are changing incredibly rapidly. And and I can't quite get my head around all of them, but I—I—I um, I, I like the fact we're pushing boundaries. I—I—I I, I think there's got to be good reason to make a beer out of some strange ingredient. And I'm not sure whether the whale vomit or the the the, the naval fluff quite works. So we've certainly had a lot of fun with local ingredients that, that are grown around us, and that seems to make sense that you're tapping into other food and beverage networks, and you're you know you're showing the the, the terroir, the place where you come from, and, and what's possible there. So um, you know, I don't know. If I do want to try all these exotic beers, but I, I like the fact that people are, are there's no boundaries anymore, really, uh, are
2: there? Uh, and we should point out to perhaps some of our viewers who are who are familiar with your beers that uh, the Willy Warmer was not one of those uh, exotic ingredient beers. That was, that was... <laughs> yeah.
3: uh, well, not literally, no, no, it does yeah. have some spices right. in it, but um, yeah, look, and that's the other thing. I mean, I, I realised very early on at Seven Sheds that. Yes, we had a cellar door and people were coming in and we were selling beer, but what we were really selling was our stories. You know, we're we're in the tourism business and people love the idea that there's a, a little town with a quirky little topiary and there's a, a couple who, who have opened a craft brewery and are making beer. Um, and, and they can see where it's made. They can see where the hops are growing, or some of them. Um, they get a very clear idea of w- what the place looks like and, and, where it's, and where this beer is made. Um, and, and, you know, I think, you know, I've, all, I've talked about upwards of 400 craft breweries, but I don't think anyone has quite got the model that Seven Sheds has. I'm not saying everyone should. But, I, you know, I'm a great, um, I guess, flag flyer for the, for the small end of the industry, the artisan end. And I think, OK, you know, you do need the volume and everything um, to drive the industry. That, that's fine. You're needing the, the medium and big players, but, but I think there's still room for small, colourful players, and, and they're an important part of the landscape.
2: And, and that's what I was going to ask Willie. In your experience over the journey, have you found that, uh, I guess, one of the one of the biggest differences today? Uh, is the fact that you can put uh, a face to to a brewery, um, so people come to your cellar door and and uh, immediately realise, hey, I'm I'm talking to the guy who, who basically you know brews this beer. Whereas in the past, it was sort of even the the, the sort of craft players like Coopers was sort of seen as a you know a, 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 like a family business, but it wasn't like there was Mr Cooper who was the brewer or at Cub or or, or at Lion or any of those sort of subsidiaries. Um, it was never about i, I guess a uh, you know a personality, whereas today you've much you, you mentioned uh, ben krauss he 's uh, despite the fact that you know i mean Ben will gladly admit that he doesn 't have to do quite as much work on the tools as he used to, but he 's still very much seen as the you know, the figurehead i guess is that important do you think for for the, the artisan brewers to, oh, to keep yeah. surviving today
3: yeah look I, you know i 'd call Ben a real entrepreneur. And, and a successful small businessman and, you know, that's part of, you know, you know making good beer and getting it to marketplaces is, is probably only about half of the battle. I mean, the other half is you're in a business and if you're in a small business and if you're in a craft beer business, they're, they're some of the toughest ends of the of the business to be in. Um, but you've got to make it work. And I'm very proud that Seven Sheds, after eight and a half years, is a successful small business. It sustains myself, my partner, half a dozen um, part-timers and casuals. But, you know, we have no outside income. Um, it's not a huge income, but it's it's self-sufficient it's what we want. Um, so, yeah, look, I guess there's the wine... You know, everyone likes to meet a maker at a wine dinner. Um, and I guess from my perspective... Um, and by the way, it's... It was fairly obvious doing the forefathers brew at Byron with with Mr. Brad Rogers. He hasn't been on the tools for a while either.
2: (laughs) He forgot to plug it in,
3: did he? Yeah, look, he had almost as much trouble coming to grips with his automated brewery as I did. (laughs) But, um, you know, I guess the thing is when I was a journalist, I used to wonder why these blokes from the big brewery called themselves head brewers and walked around in suits and ties and... I thought, these guys never brew. <laughs> but that's my situation at the moment. But, but it, it is an important role because you're still creating the recipes, the brewing schedule, um, coming up with most of the creative ideas, and, and more importantly, having to make sure that all the ingredients and packaging is in the spot when you need them. So um, being a production brewer is actually, I hate to disabuse people here, that, you know, it's a fairly mundane routine. Um, which you can get pretty bored with. So we've always, you know, uh, the cleverest thing I did was, was make myself redundant on brewery day, on brewing days, other than right at the beginning and right at the end, um, because I had better things to do. And the same token, you're allowing other people to come in and bring their sets of skills to the to the operation. And I think if you're open to that, all sorts of wonderful things happen. And that, that's what's happened at Seven Sheds. May not work in every other model. Um but so yeah, I think um you know, you talked about Ben Krauss, people like that. You know, it's it's a tough game but but essentially you've got to make you've gotta make money and you've you've got to make it a successful business. And I know that people go into it for passion, um, for romance, for all of the the wrong reasons business wise. Um so, you know, when people come to me and say, look, I, you know, I want to open I thing, I'm going to open my own shit, shit, craft brewery, I sort of say, well, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Unless, um, and what I'm trying to do is just make sure that they know what they're committing themselves to because um, I certainly didn't really know what I was committing myself to, but but, but now I do. And, and it's not for everyone. It's um, And especially, it may not be for your... Uh, nearest and dearest. So, um, you know, again, if, if, if you're going to throw in your day job and throw all your life savings into a craft brewery, you better make sure that your partner's 100% behind it, because uh, because you, you may not be behind you <laughs> in a couple of years or Yeah, so you know, that's the thing. I mean, we can all get very romantic about it, but but you know, it is still a business, and um, you know, a lot of good business sense goes a long way. in in the craft beer games. Now, Willie, you you talked about how
0: much more educated uh, the under-30s craft beer drinker is, and there's certainly a lot of experience, and they they don't have to go seeking out beers. Pretty much any metropolitan hotel is going to have some sort of craft on tap. Um, But at the same time, I I, I regularly meet people who are very active on uh, Beer Advocate or Rate Beer and Untapped and are very forthright in their opinions about the beers that they're drinking, um, and they've perhaps never had uh Duval or Rochefort or um Chimay um and some of the beers that were very um uh palate forming for me and 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 came to be regarded as my the, the, the beers that I measured beers against um are, what are the beers that you think that any are there four or five beers that you can list that you think any beer drinker really has to have tried to have tried good
3: beer? No <laughs> no, you don't want me to answer it, but, but, but no, look, I don't think so. Um, look, it would help, but they'll get there in the end. Um, look, two little interesting experiences. Um, uh, that last trip through Victoria, we, we stayed in a small regional town in Victoria, had a couple of pubs. We went down to one for, for, for dinner with, you know, fairly low expectations. It was a very good dinner. And they, they had, despite the the, the usual Victorian beer logo outside the pub. They had two craft beers from Tumut. They had Kosciuszko um, Pale Ale, which is, you know, not shovel, but half a craft beer. Um, and I thought, well, that's great. You know, it's not just the provincial, it's not just for metropolitan areas. You know, it's getting there. Um, but then I had another experience, because I don't walk into big bottle shops very often, but in Canberra I went into a first-choice bottle shop, and I saw this wall of craft beer, but about half of it I didn't recognise, and it was only when I put my specs on and read the small print on these brown cardboard boxes that I realised these were sort of virtual craft beers made by Woolworths. So, you know, that's the next frontier, is how do we educate um, people about where the beer comes from, who owns the brand, is it, is it independent, is it part of something like that? And I guess that's a job for you guys, and you've got plenty of time on your hands.
2: That's <laughs> all we do, really. It's a it's a full time yeah, job, yeah. Just, yeah. just trying to you know wade through that that
0: mire. Um, James Smith uh, interviewed you uh, a couple of times for his books, and uh, he he often quotes you as saying that when when asked what is craft beer, you used sort to of say it's the vibe of the thing. Um, do, do you want to expand on a little bit of that? You mentioned craft beer before. Does craft beer have you know once you're getting past uh, the the very simple craft beer as a shortcut to saying beer that's not uh, VB or Tui's. Um Does craft beer have a meaning, or should it have a meaning?
3: Uh yeah, it should. But it, but it, you know, it should be a kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, look, it's it's a tricky one because the minute you try and define something, you it escapes. So uh, you know, at one stage, you know, way back we used to try and um, define premium beer,
0: and I,
1: and I
3: asked some marketer from a big and company, what was his definition of premium beer? And he'd say oh, you know, superior ingredients long and he said, oh, it's a higher price point and and that's true too so, I mean, craft beer you know, I, I would have thought you know, half of Coopers could be called craft beer, but the size they are, can they be? They're still family owned, I don't know you know, you get into all these grey areas and then there's someone 100% owned by a big brewery or an overseas brewery can they be craft? Um So that's why I said about the vibe of the thing. I think, um, you know, ultimately the customers will care or not care. They'll notice or not notice, but they will certainly vote with their wallets and their pallets. But that's not to say that we shouldn't be fighting the good fight for the truly independent family-owned craft breweries. And I think, you know, there's a a website or an app in the wine industry that, that lists all the... Where all the different wine brands that you might find in a, you know, a thirsty Dan shop or something, wh- whether they're owned by one of the, you know, one of the big supermarkets or whether they're independent or whether they're owned by just a virtual marketer with an office in in Adelaide somewhere. And I think if that information was freely available, pe- people would probably tap into it, and and that would be good for the the independent players. But you know, what from my experience in Canberra, it's getting harder and harder for people. notice. Um, So uh, unless you can come and meet the owner, as you can at Seven Sheds, um, you you possibly don't know uh, who's behind the beer label that you've just bought for the first time in in one of these major chain bottle shops. So there's there's a bit of post-education perhaps needed there with with the consumers. Willie, that's pretty much uh,
0: all we wanted to, to uh, talk about. Um, maybe just before we go, you have uh, referenced burra Bock um as, as the beer that uh, influenced uh, or inspired your uh, forefathers' beer. Maybe you can tell us a little bit of... Uh, have you had a chance to try it yet? Um, I don't know if it's been nationally released uh, yet, but have you had a sneaky uh, sample?
3: No, well, I only had a sneaky sample out of the fermenter on the second day, so I didn't (laughs) really give me much idea. Um, I've seen photos of it sent to my phone, but I believe they want to give it the full sort of six weeks lagering, which is why we did it, you know, relatively early in uh, mid-June. And then I think it's going to be rolled out from late August Right up to and beyond Father's Day. It's it's you know, this sort of being launched around Father's Day, I guess. Um so look I'm very much looking forward to, to tasting the final product and um you know, maybe sharing a few of them with, with people in bars around Australia.
0: Well, I, I believe you are doing a bit of a national tour, so uh people will be able to dig out their old Willy uh Simpson uh, Beer Bible, or the uh, Australian Craft Beer Companion, or even the uh, Amber and Black. I'll be um, pulling it out when uh, you come to Brisbane to get, maybe get a, a couple of autographs. Um, yeah. Um, so look, Willie, uh, thank you very much for your time. It, it's just been a, a real pleasure having a bit of a chat to you, and uh, look forward to having a. Uh, what are we calling? We're calling it Willie Simpsons. Forefathers, uh, forefathers
3: double block lager or something yeah
0: double box lager well we're speaking to brad very shortly so we'll be able to have a uh find out a little bit more about the uh, correct way to reference uh your beer but congratulations and thank you uh as i said as somebody who uh um you know has been very influenced uh by your writing uh to, to write about beer and uh i look forward to trying uh, and actually one very last question um you're not looking at expanding. We're not going to see uh, Kentish Shale uh, uh, available nationally at any stage in uh, Uncle uh, Thirsty Dan's?
3: No, no. We've, we've had a, a very cunning marketing plan for the last three years and we, we've capped the production um, because we, are, we have limitations on the site and unlike everyone else, we're not, we're not interested in perpetual growth. Uh, but we, we have got a few side projects that we're, we're, we're looking at um, around the cellar door and around some sort of sideways movement that I can't say any more than that. No, look, I think, you know, we 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 could have we looked at that three years ago and it didn't add up for various reasons, but the main reason was for lifestyle. And you're talking to people who who close the brewery and the cellar door in August and get away for a holiday and that was the best thing we did. Um, so, you know it might seem strange to most people, but also if you think about where this industry is going, particularly in Tasmania with the new players, um, where are we all going to sell the beer? Because there are only a finite number of taps in this island. Um, so we're quite happy just to keep plodding on, doing a little artisan brewing thing. And, um, yeah, we'll just watch the landscape. Awesome.
0: Well, Willie, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Brews News and all the best with the forefathers' beer. And uh, we hope to get to sample one with you uh, when you're doing your, your tour.
3: I'm sure you will. Thanks, guys. Great talking to you.
0: Thinking about craft contract brewing, think Brewpack, and uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. There you go, Prof. Uh, mate, that was. It. I, I really enjoyed that chat. As I uh, introed it, you know, so, so it can be a little bit um, brief. Or uh, I'm trying to think of. Uh...
1: Well, I, I think particularly Matt in the in the craft beer. Landscape. There are so many people, I guess, whose whose passion is not only um, obvious, but it's but it's very evident in the the way that they engage, or the way that they talk, or you know the effusiveness, I guess, um, all that all that kind of thing. And Willie's not that, but he's no less no less passionate. But uh, he's exactly, kind of, yeah kind of you know, kind of, you know uh, keeps it to himself.
0: Absolutely, but I, mean, I guess you know Willie's all about the beer, um, and not necessarily you know he the whole social media, the whole hype. The whole, he he's an old school journalist who came to beer writing. He probably uh, you know doesn't have too much time for the for the very hype driven. But oh, great chat, really really fascinating. Great to hear his thoughts, and uh, you know he certainly if you don't have any of his books, um, go out and find. I'm sure some of them are still in print, or at least are um, still uh, you know available on some of the secondhand uh, bookshops. Um, and Amber um, and Black is certainly, uh, again, the, the the book that really showed me how uh, wonderful beer writing could be. And it'll show you, uh, I think that's only probably 12 years old, it will show you how drastically the industry has changed in the last 10 years.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Mate, uh, look, probably... Don't we don't seem to have had uh, too many cards and letters? Um, I have not been answering letterbox,
1: Matt. No, so um, and yeah, as I say, it was just uh, the week's been a bit of a blur. So we might just hold over cards and letters and uh, and until next week.
0: We have had a new Patreon come on, um, or a new patron come on. Uh, Nigel Ayling. He he did post a Nigel here from We Love Craft Beer, which is his uh, community. Um, our $10 patrons get to suggest somebody they interview. Um, now, he said, I suggest you interview me. I am running an online community <laughs> for craft beer lovers. I would love to talk to you about it. As we said to our good friend Dermot Dowling, you know, that's not the way that it works. Uh, given we, uh, we, we've we got great sponsors in uh, Crymalt and Brewpack uh, sponsoring the show and paying advertising, I don't think we can sort of let through... Uh, ads slip through for ten dollars. Unfortunately, just yeah, uh, you know, that's such is the grubby commercial world that we live in. Um, <laughs> but we have name checked you. you know, well, you know,
1: Prof, It's one of those. It is
0: one of those things. Well, um,
1: you also, also technically, it's impossible to ask and then answer questions of yourself. Yes. Exactly. Unless exactly, you're Seth MacFarlane. Oh. I'll tell you what. If Nigel wants to get on and do it, uh, ask the questions in one voice and then answer them in a different voice. And they're both humorous and clever, then I, I might consider it. <laughs> well, we'll look at but that. Otherwise, so, uh, otherwise, yeah. what, 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 otherwise, Nige, what, what, Nigel? What, What was your, what was your second choice?
0: Who, who's your second choice? Who's your second choice, Nigel?
1: <laughs> and uh, while we're speaking, and we'll don't say say somebody else from the craft beer, you know, uh, Facebook page. That's, that's okay. double cheating.
0: But we've, uh, we love craft beer. Uh, is is the uh, Facebook um, community? Um, check it. And uh, if, if you suggest somebody, uh, we'll be sure to be mentioning that it's Nigel Ailing from We Love Craft Beer. <laughs> So yeah, I reckon he's got his ten dollars worth. Hopefully, uh, he doesn't sort of cancel the uh, uh, patronage on, on the back <laughs> of that. But our listeners, if you like what we do, and uh, don't forget, uh, you can uh, jump online uh, to Patreon. The link is on our show notes, um, and you know, give till it hurts, or you know, even just give five dollars. Um, For $10, you do get to suggest a guest that you would love to interview um, or you would love to hear us interview, but the best thing is that you get to get on and ask the questions yourself. You get to be a guest host of Radio Brews News, 10 minutes with the guest of your choice. And uh, because of the awesome pulling power of Brews News, we managed to get the ACCC along to the Craft Brewers Conference. We uh, get people like Charlie Bamforth. uh, We get uh, Greg Cook. I'm pretty sure we get Pete Brown if there's somebody in the world of beer, I reckon we've got a pretty good crack at getting them on, um, all for the uh, sort of bargain price of uh, supporting us for $10. And then you get us every week, week in, week out, because we've become pretty good at doing that, hey, Prof?
1: And apologies if this does go out a little bit late, uh, later than the, the regular Friday, we're, we're sort of tying this up on the Friday after the, the conference, uh, just through lack of time to to get it all together. Absolutely. Now, Prof, do we have time? If
0: I was to launch a Prof's pot shot, uh, if if it could be Matt's pot shot um, this week, um, Matt's soapbox, Matt's shit can, however we want to label it. Um, But you and I are huge supporters of anything that moves the beer industry forward. Um, Though the beer industry, not the craft beer industry, Anything that shares good beer and gets people looking about it, looking at it in the most positive way. I think Agreed. that's fair to say. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Nice concise beer and summary. Food yep. Beer and food matching is something that we both love and we see as being a really positive way forward uh, for you know uh, introducing people to beer and giving it something a little bit more elegance than just the, the the bloke knocking off tinnies at the football yeah, with half. Yeah, a Yeah. Water putting it, putting
1: yeah. putting beer into a, a cultural context.
0: Yep. Now it doesn't yeah. have to be the, the the most amazing craft beer or anything like that, but I'm just gonna uh, I'll I'll see whether we can sort of fit it in uh, to to the show notes. Otherwise, I'll put a link into it in the show notes. In my Facebook feed this week, there was Uncle Dan's has been uh, you know investing a little bit in um, their right in in you know their, their beer education and which is fantastic. And you and I I think have both uh, earned a couple of dollars over the last couple of years. Um, writing some of their taste notes and doing some stuff for Yeah, their site, rewriting
1: which, their what's called their, their liquor library
0: absolutely and uh you know and again, we appreciate Uncle Dans and you can give us as much money as you want to do that
1: oh yeah, I'll presented it at their national conference
0: mm-hmm and uh but now, all good, all good all wonderful it this is not a political agenda against any of those things but but when when you see the facebook uh post come up and it's a beer and food match and, and it says discover Carlton Draft in a whole new light with this de- delicious butterflied barbecued lamb reg- leg recipe. It's the perfect pairing to impress your friends at your next barbecue. Now, Prof, there's nothing wrong with Carlton Draft, it gives a lot of people a lot of pleasure, particularly the, 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 the draft tanks that are going in really talk about the you know freshness of beer. and Very and, and,
1: fresh, Yes, and yep.
0: yep. But as a food match, Carlton Draft goes with everything and it goes with nothing. If you really want to highlight the best characters of beer, as Dan Murphy seemed to want to do, this is just a case of CUB shoveling a shitload of money into their pockets to do a bit of a contra online promotion. It does nothing to really if somebody tries that, if somebody tries a Carlton Draft with the Lamb. It's not going to change their minds about beer or beer and food matching at all. They're going to go, yeah, that's not too bad. It's not going to be an epiphany. It's not going to wake anybody. And just doing that sort of stuff, it just smacks of the sort of grubby corporate, we're going to jump on the bandwagon, me tooism that can only harm beer and lessen what people who are really trying to... Innovate, and it doesn't have to. prop, it doesn't have to be a, uh, a, a. As you and I know, it does not have to be like a six-course degustation meal matched with barrel-aged beers, Carlton Draft, and crumbed fish and chips is a crackingly good match. Simple, clean, cleansing works perfectly. Butterflied lamb and Carlton Draft. You're really just trying to put lipstick on a pig with that one, Prof. And uh, look, Uncle Dan's good work for trying, but let's actually do something serious about it rather than just. Take whoever offers you cash. Um, at Christmas, Prof. Uh, oh, sorry, at Easter, we saw uh, Yenda, and I think it was in association with Dan Murphy's, or it might have been themselves. You know, matching cream Cadbury cream eggs to their Yenda Hellas. Once again, there is not a drop of flavour in Yenda Hellas. Not a bad beer by any stretch of the imagination, but there is not an element or drop of flavour in the Yenda Hellas that goes with anything in a chocolate egg. They make a crackingly good stout. I reckon you could have uh, worked that in. But if you're just going to do it and jump on the bandwagon, you're not helping yourself. You're not helping beer drinkers. You're just dropping a juicy, great turd in the pool that people
1: are trying to swim in.
0: Anyway, Prof, How's that for that, that, that was completely off the cuff,
1: unscripted. Hang on, just... Oh, that was nice, Lockie. That was, did you hear that plonk? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if Lockie actually. Let us know, Look Do you have, you know, do you have them listed by number or by description? Like do you actually have to dropping into pool.
0: <laughs> anyway, your, your your thoughts on that little bit of a rant?
1: Yeah, I'll come back to you next week because I agree and I disagree. Yeah, no, that's right, no, that's oh, an, okay. Think about it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we're gonna have some uh, ping pong, some uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, some two pot and, shot ping two pong. two
1: and fro, pot shot ping pong, ping pong.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh look, mate, uh, being a pot shot. Um, you know, I, I did preface it by saying, and you know, a potshot's going to be a little bit over the top, just as yours was. For you, you're looking at, you're picking up all of the negative elements of the thing that you're taking yeah. a pot shot at. Yeah. So that's the um, point of a pot shot.
1: That is the pot point, of, know, point of a pot point of a considered of critical shot. argument, that's weird. no room for that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well,
0: not in the pot shot. That's the rest of our show. But uh, anyway, prop. But it, it, it was good to uh, pass you like a ship in the night uh, several times in Brisbane. Congratulations on, on your work. Great to, to catch up. And, uh, yeah, mate, we certainly have a, uh, you know, a long list of potential guests coming out of the last few days anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, look, you and I will certainly more than make up for, uh, for our lack of togetherness by working pretty much hand in pocket um, in 12 days' time for the next 12 days after that uh, at the Ecker. So for anyone of in course Brisbane, you're barely... if you're up that way, Come and uh, come and see us at the uh, Australian Craft Breweries stand in the Woolworths Fresh yes. Food Pavilion.
0: Pavilion. Look out for us next to the cheese, please. We're doing sneaky beer and cheese matching.
1: We had. Well, I was going to leave that to you know, announce next week. But that's yeah. There you go. So come along, beer and cheese. <laughs> the okay,
0: later. it? Well, always good to chat. Uh, great to see you and uh, talk to you again next week.
1: Take us out, Lockie. We're out.